the unpredictability of life. Who would have thought we'd have a weekend of rain just that week uh, we were going camping? And the Psalms are one of the great chronicles, really, of that, that unpredictability of, of life. And well, I still remember the phone call. It was about nine o'clock on a Sunday morning, and I was getting ready to leave for church. The service was planned, the sermon was sorted, everything was under control, or so I thought. Uh, the phone call was to tell me that a popular member of our church, married with a young son, had collapsed without warning that morning, and despite the best efforts of the ambulance staff, she died, just like that. I remember sitting with Jimmy uh, over a period of months as Parkinson's and Alzheimer's reduced what was once a tall, proud man to an empty shell. I remember that whenever I went to visit Jimmy, his wife, Audrey, would always organize chocolate biscuits. Bless her. Uh, And yet a couple of years later, I sat with her, aware that she had no idea who I was. I remember also sitting with Alan uh, and his wife as he passed away. Uh, Alan was a man of deep faith who suffered from something called Huntington disease, a progressive brain disorder that hit him in early middle age and sucked the life out of him. At the moment he died, uh, the sun broke through the clouds and shone on his face. It was as if creation itself was insisting in the face of death, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well, as Julian of Norwich so wonderfully put it. Of course, there have been many happy and joyful phone calls and and conversations, uh, but one of the gifts that you receive from being in ministry for any length of time is the knowledge of how fragile and transitory life is, how unpredictable life is. You quickly learn the truth of those words that we've just heard read to us. They're not just pious words, but but important truth. You sweep away people in the sleep of death, the psalmist writes. They're like the new grass of the morning, In the morning it springs up new, but by the evening it is withered. Life is fragile. Life is transitory and we are mortal. Our bodies wear down and fail, we get old and we all die. And in the face of this, in the face of this truth, the psalmist asked God to help us in a very particular way, teach us The psalmist writes, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Feels a long way away from the Lion King that we've been uh, looking at and enjoying together over the past few weeks. But but we're returning to uh, the series that we've been doing for some time now, entitled We Make the Road by Walking. We've a couple of three weeks left. Uh, And we're looking at, I guess, endings, our mortality. We're looking at hope. And finally, we're looking at God in the end. 
And this morning, in a sense, we're looking at how that, that knowledge, that acknowledging our, our own mortality can, can help us to live well, can give us that heart of wisdom of which the psalmist talks. In the novel, in, in the, novel the Spectator Bird, the story's told of an elderly man who, who writes in his Christmas letter that when... Anybody asks him if he feels like an old man. He says this. He says, no, 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 I feel like a young man with something the matter with him. <laughs> Sound familiar? And as we age and as we move towards life's end, we, we get that sense that there's something wrong. There's something the matter with us. To be old, we f- fear is to be nearing the end. It's to be coming to the end of our usefulness, of our attractiveness, of our strength, of our health. But we are all going to age. There's no way around it. There's no way to stop it. And despite all the vitamins and exercises and healthy diets and strong medicines in the world, our bodies bodies and our minds will ultimately decline and fail. Next time you're on a computer, Google anti-aging or staying young and just see, there's, I was going to say there's pages of stuff, there's thousands of pages of stuff. No to aging. That's our society's, one of our society's messages, isn't it? You're not allowed to get old. Reminds me of the old Jewish saying, Everybody knows that they're going to die, but nobody believes it. (laughs) But you better believe it. As the psalmist says, we will fade and wither. Like Like a frail flower, our hands will lose their grip on life. Sooner or later, we are going to die. And none of us know whether it will be sooner or later. And in the face of that knowledge, the psalmist wants us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So numbering our days, what does does that mean? What does it mean to number our days? Uh, I guess for scientific medicine, to number our days means to make that number as large as possible. To postpone aging, to postpone death, to extend life as far as we can onwards and upwards as the diagram has it. And of course, we should all be grateful for advances in medicine. Children who a century ago would have died from smallpox or been paralyzed by polio now have, now do not have to fear those diseases, praise God. Men and women who have had their lives cut short by tuberculosis may now live long and productive lives, thank God. The fact that we can transplant hearts. There was a program on the radio this morning I woke up listening to <clears throat> all sorts of testimonies and stories of, of people who'd received tar- transplants and who's, who'd bequeathed uh, hearts and whatever for transplant. That should be a source of joy. <clears throat> Gift of God. Uh, the skill of doctors and nurses and, and researchers and whatever that make those things possible. Praise God. 
Praise God for that. Uh, and we can pray and we should pray that the ravages of heart disease, of cancer, of Alzheimer's, all those things will be a thing of the past. So one way to number our days is, is to count them and to try to make that number larger and larger. When we were in, in Margate, I remember chatting with the, with the, with the chaplain there in the hospice uh, and he was talking about the difference between dying in a hospital and dying in a hospice. Uh, and he said, hospitals are, are there to make us better. That's, that's what they're there for. They're there to heal. Uh, and so, in a sense, every death is, is a failure because they failed to heal. However inevitable that was. Hospices there, he told me, are there to accompany somebody as they prepare to die. And he said, it's a very different mindset. And if you've been in a hospice, uh, you'll know the difference between the whole feeling of the place and and being being in a hospital. They're trying to do something completely different. There's a difference between trying to maximize our lives, our days, and living well in the midst of the days that we have. Teach us to number our days, the psalmist says, not so that that number will simply get bigger, but rather that we may gain a wise heart, a heart of wisdom. What makes life good is not just the length of your days, but it's becoming a certain kind of person. A person whose heart is wise before God. And I guess that's a journey that takes a lifetime. And I guess it begins by allowing that truth that our days are numbered to truly sink in. We number our days firstly by recognizing that our days are numbered and living in the light of that. Next photo is a a guy called Jason Isbell. Uh, He's an American musician. Anyone heard of Jason Jason Isbell? Somebody has, wonderful. Uh, I'm a bit of a fan, I'm afraid. Uh, He's an American, not afraid, he's great. Uh, Well worth listening to. He's an American musician and I, I think uh, I think he's one of the best songwriters around today. He's, yeah. Uh, he's got a history of drug, alcohol abuse, uh, and, uh, and of the love of his wife, now his wife, who, who basically held him through that. In a sense, who brought him, brought him through that. He's now sober. He's got a, they've got a child together. Uh, uh, and in his last album, he... He, he wrote a song called If We Were Vampires. Uh, sounds like an odd, odd title for, for a song. It's, it's a reflection on, on life. It's a reflection on love. Uh, and a reflection on the fact that one day he knows that either he or his wife is going to die. Uh, maybe we'll get 40 years together, he says. Uh, or one day I'll be gone. Or one day you'll be gone. And then comes, then comes the chorus. He says, if we were vampires and death was a joke... Uh, we go out on the sidewalks and smoke and laugh at all the lovers and their plans. He says, I wouldn't feel the need to hold your hand. And then he continues, maybe time running out is a gift. I'll work hard to the end of my shift. I'll give you every second I can find and hope it isn't me who's left behind. That idea that time running out is a gift because knowing that your days are numbered 
causes you to reflect on your priorities and to focus on the things that are important. What is, what is really important in your life? We're just starting a new term, a new year. Uh, what is, what is, do you ever think about that? What is really important to me? It's so easy to drift, isn't it? So easy to drift through life. What is, what is important? What is, what is God calling you to? What is the priority? So easy to just drift. Let life pass you by. Learning to number your days, I guess, means learning to receive each day as a gift. Full of meaning, full of possibility, and then to actually live it. To live each day, not just to exist, but to live. Holding hands with the one you love. Do you still do that? Hold hands with the one you love. Seize the moment. Embrace the opportunity. Cherish people. Cherish your friends. Cherish your family. Give yourself in service to God and to one another. Pray, worship. And if life is tough, is hard, then giving that to God, knowing that God is with you in the darkness. See, I guess this is not, this is not about having a tick box of 50 things I must do before I die, or 40 things before 40, whatever it is. Uh, it's not having a bucket list of things I must do, but rather seeing that every day, each and every day is an opportunity to express the love of God. Not necessarily in grand gestures, but in, in the ordinary rhythms of life, in, in, in work, at home, in every place. Live life passionately. Laugh until your belly hurts. Love unconditionally. Don't just exist, but ring, ring everything you can out of life. I've often thought in ministry that, that actually, and I've seen some days when you go to bed, the world has completely changed from what it was when you woke up. And maybe you don't always, and we don't always see it coming. Something will happen. Maybe the classic example in some of our memories is, is 9-11. The world was a different place when we went to bed that day than it was when we woke up. And for each of us in our own lives, that's, that's the same. Who knows? Live. Each day. It's a gift. Teach us, O oh God, to number our days so that we might discover and learn wisdom. A 30-year-old man who was dying of leukemia was having an urgent conversation with his doctor. I don't think I'm afraid of death, he said. What I'm really afraid of is the incompleteness of my life. What I'm afraid of is the incompleteness of my life. The fear is that we're incomplete and that our story is incomplete. That we haven't done all that we want to. We haven't experienced all we want to experience. We haven't seen what we want, all that we want to see and that time is running out. And so we want more time. 
Don't let my life be incomplete. Next picture is Oliver Sacks. Uh, there we go. Uh, he, when he, when he, he was a, he's a well-known Jewish author. He's a neurologist. Uh, and when he turned 80, he wrote this in one of the articles. He was still, when he hit 80, he was still very strong, very productive, in good health. His mind was strong. And he, he wrote this, I feel that I should be trying to complete my life. Whatever completing a life means. Good question, isn't it? Two years later, he wrote another essay. Only this time he was dying. He uh, had terminal cancer. And at this time, two years later, he's not talking about completing his life. He's actually talking about the Sabbath. I find my thoughts drifting to the Sabbath, he wrote. The day of rest, the seventh day of the week. And perhaps the seventh day is one's life as well. When one can feel that one's work is done. And one may in good conscience rest. Sabbath of course is God's gift to us, not our achievement. God's gift. We cannot make ourselves complete. Only God can do that. We don't bear that burden of making our lives complete, whatever that means. To acknowledge one's mortality is to acknowledge that we are limited in days and incomplete in ourselves. So teach us, O God, to number our days, to see that you are the immortal one, that it is you who brings completion. To see that our hearts are restless until they rest in God. And through that psalm there's that difference, if you like, between us. Contrast between us and God who is the everlasting one. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The one who a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. Teach us, O oh God, to number our days, to see that you are the immortal one, that we are complete in you. The completion that we desire in life is a gift. A gift from God who was there at the beginning and who will be there at the end and who will be there at our end. And that's why I guess the first word of Easter the first word from the risen Christ is, do not be afraid. The risen Christ says to us, you're so anxious and fearful about how your life will end. But do not be afraid. This is how it ends in resurrection. To belong to me, he says, is to be given the gift of an ending that you can never achieve in your own power. That no earthly physician can provide that no medicine can produce the gift of being gathered in glory and joy into the eternal life of God. That's how it ends, so do not be afraid. When we lived in London, uh, on a number of occasions, I took, I took Ash Wednesday as a retreat day uh, as we went into Lent and 
uh, inevitably into the manicness of Easter. It was good to take time away and to think about my life and my spirit. Uh, and one of the things I often did was, was go up to uh, St. Martin's in the Fields in the, in the centre of London uh, for one of their services that included the imposition of the ashes. Uh, has anyone ever been to one of those services? Some, some of you have been. Uh, during the service, each member of the congregation is marked on your, on your forehead with a cross uh, of ashes. Uh, they take last year's palm crosses and they, and, and they burn them and uh, you, you, they put a cross on your, on your head. And, and as you're marked, uh, the vicar, whoever's leading, says, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. So turn away from sin and be faithful to Christ. And I must admit, it sounds, I don't know how that sounds to you, but I've always found that a strangely affirming thing, a strangely life-giving experience. We're dust, and our numbers are, our days are numbered, so day by day we turn from sin. Day by day the call comes as you start a new term, uh, as your kids start school, as you go away to university, uh, maybe as you start a new job, or as you come back from holiday, or as you get back into the church routine, uh, get back into the normality of life. A couple of people said to me recently, it'd be nice to get back to normal, uh, whatever normal means, but get back into those familiar rhythms of life uh, that actually we all need. Some is great, but we need those familiar rhythms of life, as we go back to those things, the invitation is to number our days, that we, may grow, grow, that we may know wisdom, to turn from sin, to seek to be faithful to Christ, to give our lives day by day to Christ and his purposes. I just want to end with a poem. Uh, it was written for Ash Wednesday, uh, it goes like this. From dust we came, you and I. From dust. Dry, formless dust. At the mercy of every whisper of wind. Not of our own choice did we take form. Not from desire or power or cleverness or invention. But by the hands of the one who loves and shapes and forms and holds the whole world in his hands. His hands took the dust and molded it with loving care, with creative excitement, joyfully giving his breath to give us life. But we are dust so easily forgetful of the giver and the gift, restlessly, restlessly seeking to fulfill ourselves in every which way, but in him, capable of such destructiveness, inflicting pain on others and ourselves. God forgetting we turn away, you and I, from the one who is the source of love and life for us and live our lives in dusty darkness. 
but he does not forget the frailty of our dustiness. And his loving mercies never come to an end. He goes on calling us out of dusty darkness to live in the glorious light and hope of Christ. So we, remembering that God is God and that we are not, remembering what he can do with dust and we cannot, we remember today that we are dust and choose to turn our faces to the light with the hope of resurrection in our hearts. Teach us to number our days, O God, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Amen? Amen. Amen.